Hello and welcome to the TT Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to one person from the world of the TT races to discuss their lives, their journeys, their ambitions and their relationship with the greatest motorsporting event in the world. I'm Chris Pritchard and with me is Steve Plater. Steve, how are we doing, mate? Pretty good, Chris, thanks. Yep, not so bad. Looking forward to this one. A newbie, a newbie to the system. Brand spanking new, straight out of the cellophane. Now, you've worked with Glenn on the short circuit scene. Yeah, very much so. You know, a great kid and comes from a massive amount of family talent from mm-hmm. his brother motocrossing to obviously his youngest brother being a teammate a couple of years ago and, and also I think the sister races flipping horses wow maybe that's where the competitive edge comes from with this guy well it'll be interesting to see what his outlook is for the Alaman TT races let's get into it for today's episode of the TT podcast we're joined by Glenn Irwin It's been a long time coming, but finally, nearly two and a half years after announcing he'd be making his debut at the TT, he's just a few short weeks away from heading off down Bray Hill. Since stepping up to the British Superbikes in 2016, he's become one of the championship's leading men, a regular frontrunner and podium contender who came close to the title in 2020. He's a race winner at the Northwest 200 and the Macau Grand Prix, has stood on the podium at the Ulster Grand Prix, and is now ready to make the step up to the big one. And he does so with arguably the best team in the business, the factory Honda racing team, and with surely the ultimate mentor and teammate in John McGuinness. Glenn Irwin, welcome to the podcast. Before we get into you, a little birdie told me that you've been listening to the podcast. I have, yeah. You know, some fantastic guests, uh, you know, Hickey, McGuinness, uh, Michael Rudder. If there's been another one, have missed that am i right there's been a few yeah so they've been great um i enjoy listening to the various riders for different insights you know obviously leading up to my debut so yeah it's been good uh, i'm halfway through rudders had to take a nap during it you know he's getting on a bit on me so. <laughs> <laughs> nah, i'm only joking yeah, they're, they're brilliant so they are and uh, i'm enjoying enjoying listening to them obviously all the riders that we've interviewed so far have all taken part in a tt this is your debut now normally we ask them the question What's it like to get the tap on the shoulder? Obviously, you've never experienced it. So what's going through your mind now as you visualise that moment, as you roll up to the start line, it's going to be completely different, completely alien to you in some respect. Do you have a thought about it? Um, yeah, there's two answers for that. I actually have had the tap. I had a dream, and I'm not joking. <laughs> it was in Tenerife there last week, and I woke up and I said to my missus, I like, I won a TT last night. And she goes, <laughs> what? And I was like, I had the most real dream and, and it was so vivid and the tap everything it was so real but obviously I haven't done it so I don't know if that's what it's like it was, it, it was amazing so I do feel like I've had it um, but I've stood there you know in 2019 18 17 and, and watched you know if it's been a teammate like James Hillier was the last one in 19 and uh, I felt the adrenaline probably more so than what the rider will feel because uh, when you're watching a friend do it or whatever you're not in control because yeah. I have a bit of experience at other road races. So I probably was like, oh, I could feel so much adrenaline and I can't imagine what it what it does feel like. Um, just listening to the podcast, you know, McGuinness saying like, they pro- was it McGuinness or Rudder? They pro- I think it was Rudder. They probably grip your shoulder, you know, because I was thinking, am I going to feel the tap? Like, what if I miss the tap? I'm already a second down or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, I have no experience of it. Um, them moments, you know, walking down to the grid and that bit where you are on your bike, I guess, Northwest 200, 
you have that bit where your mechanics go away and you are at a road race and um, mm-hmm. it is special sitting at the TT being on your own looking down Glen Crutchery Road people everywhere that's like I can't describe what it's going to be like because I don't know but it's going to be elevated quite a bit isn't it I, sh- I would have thought so yeah mate you know this man knows quite well doesn't he <laughs> yeah fairly but you know, li- listening to that flipping intro then Chris's intro fabulous you know but he did feel the pressure a little bit you know the, the best team in the paddock the most winningest team teammate John McGuinness does that make things a little bit kind of harder or a bit more pressure or does it make you more relaxed you know long term it it makes me more relaxed so the the debut and it's been well documented and probably schooled a lot by Honda and Harv and their their approach for me making my debut has really took away any initial expectations that an expectation then involves pressure so I don't feel any in that sense Uh, I'm not doing this journey to not have a goal my goal is to be a senior TT winner one day with the success at the other events to me that doesn't bring pressure it quite black and white if you can do it there or at other places this one's different this one is the ultimate it takes longer to do it there's a lot more learning it takes more homework it takes a lot more respect because there is more areas can uh, can bite you quite hard um it just it actually gives me it just gives me confidence you know i really do believe one day we will achieve what we want to achieve and Nah, the pressure side, nah, I don't feel it. Road racing's always been like a holiday. I don't know why. Um and I don't want I don't want to change my TT feeling come from Northwest Ulster on Macau mm-hmm. because it's an incredible sport, one of the best in the world, like any extreme sport. It's probably one of them sports you don't want your child doing. You know, yeah. climbing Everest, doing TTs, Northwest, all them. So I'm grateful that it's a sport I'm in and one that one day I can be successful I think you know from what you've just said there you, obviously you'd like to win the senior I mean the good thing about that is if you're going to take your time at least the senior is not until Friday the last day of the TT this year so you've got all that time to work it gives me it. a whole two weeks <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need no pressure just two weeks no problem Steve 136 <laughs> so yeah. where, where, where did this kind of journey start because there's been rumours that you've been thinking about this for a long time so take us back to that moment. Obviously, you've been racing. It's well documented that you're, you are a short-circuit rider. Where did this whole journey of starting to think about the TT come? I guess I switched to short-circuit racing from motocross back in 2008. My dad, I'll support you. One thing, promise me I'll not go road racing. <coughs> no problem, Dad. And I, I always loved the Northwest as a kid. That was my thing. It was, it was local to us. So that, that's where we went. The TT was across the water and we we done schoolboy motocross. So we didn't... I never actually got over as a, a child to watch it. Long story short, on Facebook one day, 2014, a bit of banter with Noel Johnson, Clark LaCourse, Elster Grand Prix. He's like, oh, when are you going to come? And I was like, oh, sort of like... And Robbie Sylvester, I think, commented, I'll give you a super twin. And boom, we went there in 14. Never actually raced the main event on the Saturday. We had an oil leak, um, but we did do the Dundrod midweek races. And we were on the lap record on the twins straight away. So enjoyable. It then obviously went to a Northwest debut in 15, which was followed by a Macau debut in 16 and a win in 17 at that so I started to, to tick them off that I tried to stay away from the TT um, to you know focus on my British superbike career um, but you do learn you can you can do both and mm-hmm. Hickey is a fantastic example of that as many are in the past you know there's so many riders 
were at the top of World Championship in, in the older days yeah. and at the top of TT. So I think the next one is, uh, and my, I was so glad the way Michael Rudder spoke in his podcast, uh, he does say he gets scared, the nightmares. So I always say I'm a really real person and things can happen at road, international road events um, that you don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. And the less events you do, the less chance of, you know, bad, bad stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the same time, you know, my son's now five. You want to just feel like you're completely ready, if you know what I mean, yeah. mentally. And the kids are growing up. And you know, then I had a, a daughter, you know, who's just born. She's quite young. But I feel in a good place now. My life was in a, a real crazy period for a long number of years. I Mentally, I probably always done well to stabilise myself to get through the Northwest. <laughs> um, it might have been too much of an ass to stay in the straight and narrow for more than a month. But uh, I'm in a good place now and it's always been a burning desire that I've tried to stay away from. But now it's not that it's got me. It's I'm ready to, to come to the TT and start and going and watching it and being a visitor and a, a supporter yeah. from 16, 17. That's when it really was, the urge was building. So what's your dad said about it? It's funny, we chatted uh, two days ago. We don't chat about road racing a lot. And actually said, Dad, Northwest, did you ever miss a year? You know, because we've had a two-year delay. He's like, no. I says, Frank, it's hard. I'm, you know, I miss it. I can't wait to get back. And he goes, you know my thoughts on it, son, but I loved it. And I was like, you know, the TT, because uh, I want to reassure them. And I think he really does trust uh, my approach to, to road racing and TT in particular. And I said, look, Dad, I haven't been to the TT yet. And... If you go by revision, you can't tell the revision's been a success until you've been there. But mm-hmm. if we were to mark my revision based on effort, and I, I didn't do great in my GCSEs, but I says, I'm telling you now, and this isn't complacent, this isn't a prediction of how we'll do in year one, but I feel it's an A star. I've put you can't put this amount of effort in and it not be a pass. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. He's like, oh, there's still time for you to pull out. <laughs> but but he knows, you know, look, of course, uh, I wouldn't want my son turning around saying, Dad, I want to be, uh, it's not just road racing, I want to be uh, a mountain climber up Everest. Uh, I want to do, we're in the extreme sports business, yeah. so we can't single out this. You know, it's uh, we're lucky we're in this industry, and if we approach it right, we can we can have a lot of fun. Yeah. What's What's been your most difficult part of the learning process so far? I know you haven't done a lap yet, as in a, a lap in anger. Most difficult part? Really, really good question. Uh, I think you, when you originally start learning it, you know the famous corner names and that's a big left, that's a big right, what's that jump? You start to pick up, there's a bump there, you know, going into Greba, Greba Castle, quite a bad bump in the left and, you know, Camber Chains coming out of Greba Bridge. You start to learn all them things. So you get, you get the geography and you get the bumps, but it's when you learn it and, for example... Little things over Ren Cullen jump. You know, I watched McGuinness's on board from 16 religiously. Um, how do Ren Cullen jump? Your next big corner is uh, Bishop's Court. So in to the left underneath the sort of big mansion, flick to the right. But after Ren Cullen, if you just come over that jump and stayed to the right, like you hit all jumps on the right, apart from Balacry, where you want to get away from the big lip, mm-hmm. um, you would be coming to a kink that has no name. And if you were on the right hand side of the road, you probably won't come out of that kink. So it's really learning them things, the things that have no names. You know, you can't just go right, Ren, Cullen, Jump. It's flat out after that. And then we're going to go to Bishop's Court. 
Yeah, because yeah. there's so much in between. So I'm trying to pay careful attention to things like that because there's also a lot of time in areas like that. You know, if you get all the kinks right and you can stay on the gas, yeah, it's better on the gas than off it, Stephen. <laughs> so yeah, I, that's probably it. I need to get round there on a bike now. I really do. We're over at the end of end of February filming with McGuinness, so and Honda and t- I think all you TT guys know are there. So. You know, maybe well I think the mountain's shut now isn't it for a bit of research mm-hmm. so maybe I can get a blast up there while there's no cars or something but you have been round on a bike during a parade lap oh disaster don't even talk oh really I don't Should know if it on? was a setup or not I'm, I'm actually glad it was <laughs> back then I couldn't have got you further past Union Mills I didn't know where the track went I knew some featured famous corners mm-hmm. throughout the track that's a funny story in this lap but I got the off the start got did get the little tap I think got the tap how did it feel I was probably hungover. I was, I was hanging a little bit hungover. Yeah, I was hungover. Um, and off I went. I got the St. Ninians and the bike was on the limiter. I'm like, wow, what's going on here? Brand new. It was a BMW, like an upright thing. Mm-hmm. They told me they were giving me a proper, like, is it S size and RR? So I'm like, why are we on the limiter? Hadn't had its first service or whatever. So oh. the bike is restricted. Yeah. It was pretty guess. God love that engine going down Solway. <laughs> I was actually going wow on and off to try to get the go, but I ended up in a in a dice with a is a Ian Richards. Oh yeah, and uh, going through Quarry Bends right on him. Then Solway disappeared. He was on Clive six hundred, and then we uh, we came through from Ginger Hill to Ramsey, and I was able to get one a bit, and he would got me. But then into Ramsey on the bricks in the Parliament Square. Got by him through the kink, May Hill, Stella Mars, Ramsey Herpin. Just coming out of Ramsey Herpin and accelerating, I heard, <laughs> say, well, something wrong with my bike. And I looked to the left, and he had tucked the front, gone up into Ramsey Herpin. It wasn't good. He never was anyone crash, and he was fine. I don't think Clive was too happy because I know Clive's well able to rebuild a few bikes, like, but I think, he, like, unreal. So, uh, yeah, that was my dice over. So, cruised over the mountain and we See, that kind of contradicts a little bit, you know, because I've read reports you're not really. Fuss too much about the first year being competitive. And, oh, <laughs> you better be on a parade lapping me trying to beat him, which is one, one of the old legends. <laughs> legends. Yeah, of course. Like, look, uh, there's no expectation from me because it's so unknown. I could not tell you where, where else. I don't even know where you finish in your first year. You know, where the range is. You know, is it from wherever to wherever? So I'm looking forward to that. Like, I really, I don't even know where I, where I start. I would love to start 22 because I'm number two. So then I can be you know 22 yeah but maybe that's too high up i don't know i don't have a clue yeah i get that but you're also a well-established rider you you know you're a fast rider good at it down (laughs) very good (laughs) no you're the same as me obviously you know you've won you've won the other big events you know um so you're obviously not going to be not going to be slow however you've got to be careful to keep things in order yeah because it's a massive steep learning curve as you're well aware you know but um so it's a difficult one of where to start because you really need to be somebody with a with a, some good pace that you can you know obviously this year we spoke about this yesterday you know but of, of course this year is a little bit different because you'll be setting off on your own not with another rider which makes it a little bit worse because you can't you know yeah get, uh, when you, I read use, that use their was experience bit, was like a bit a like, no no because like you don't know who you get maybe get set off with someone it doesn't matter if they're 40 or 50 if wherever they are but if they know where they're going it's yeah. like lap one you go out behind milky or barley and um, they know where they're going regardless of the pace mm-hmm. they know where they're going and you learn a little bit you know like steve says you're a sponge you absorb so 
Now I'm going off my own, but I can pull over and pretend the bike's overheating and waiting, there, waiting the next guy. <laughs> Either that or go flat out and catch him from. I think it's better to pull over. Yeah. Right, here's a little testify. for you. Where's the first jump on the course? Uh, the one at the bottom of Bray Hill. Is it, they call it, I don't, is it Agos Leap they call it or is that the one after? Agos, yeah, where's the second one? Yeah, uh, second jump is uh, the real fast one after Crosby. So it is. Well, there's the, on the approach to, there's a few Snugborough, the bike's going to take off. Uh, coming up to Ballagarry, uh, Ballahutchin Strait, the bike's going to take off there as well. Exit of Ballagarry, you're going to Willie and stuff. Right, here. Three some, miles in. Is there some knowledge here? Some knowledge three three miles in. in, Union Mills, my first lap on my own between the right and the left. Yeah, the, the big bump. Right. I was airborne, like yeah. Jeremy McGrath going over there. You never ever realise going around in the car or, or when you sight a man or anything. It's just those kind of places that. That really can catch you out. Do you do like from watching the onboards uh, when you do that right, and then because they always talk about the bump there, and you're like, where is it? You know, from onboards, seems to be you go right, and you don't just go left. You nearly lift it a few degree and then commit after the. Yeah, you don't really throw. You don't throw it into the left straight away. You know, it's quite an aggressive bump, obviously. But it's yeah, of course, uh, one of the most important things about the TT. It's it's a big climb from that point all the way to the top. Yeah, you're going to balance. I'm glad, I'm glad you've said that because I know it's a big bump, but I didn't, so it's all about the exit. Jump. It's, it's about the exit, not the speed through and up the hit, you know. Yeah, it really yeah. Is. It's TT all the way through, it's flowing and, you know. Cool. Thanks for your next point. Do you think you're going to be able to keep a lid on this competitive edge? Because we've had Hickey in, and I think it was Hickey that said, didn't check the lap times, I didn't want to know, I didn't, I didn't care. Did, <sighs> did you believe that? No, not at all. <laughs> They're competitive beasts. <laughs> like it's going to be the first night. You just you can't not look at the timesheet and then just look across and go, "Oh shit! I just did 130 miles an hour. I could probably go a little bit quicker than that. I might end up winning this thing." Like how how are you going to hold that back? How are you going to rein yourself back in? Or are you not? You do all the preparation and you approach road racing with the right respect. Um, and the, the more you do both, the more you're going to be faster throughout the week. Mm-hmm. So. I've nearly got to show you something on the phone there. I'm competitive. So there's very realistic comparisons yeah. that I've re- noted down from listening to podcasts. And when I do certain things, I can look and compare. Yeah, um, yeah. Not quite in chase to see, but I'm very, I'm a really curious person. Like, So yeah, uh, the, of course there's competitive because this is the beginning or this is like the start of a journey I told you why I'm doing the TT and I think it's the same as any of the guys that go that there is a calibre that can one day go on and win and there's a calibre that will probably say they can't and we do it for different reasons I guess it's professional and the guys that will have equally as much fun from the event that aren't professional Mm -hmm. so being someone that's professional this is the journey to starting to to achieve what I want to achieve one day so there will be progression throughout that and your competitive streak is what is going to that's what makes you progress yeah. you know if you weren't competitive you'd ride around all day not wanting to learn more not wanting mm-hmm. to get faster so of course I want to get faster but it's not by riding in anger because it's not like that at any road race yeah, um, yeah. it's just effort so you're, so you're more than happy to just Sit back and go. I know because without blowing smoke up his ass, he's, he's, he is a talented rider, and it is. You'd say it was only a matter of time. He's done the homework. He, he's progressing, but you think I've got to wait another year to to get back to the TT and race again. Maybe if I just uh, uh. nah, no. So you, like, you, you're, you can go. You know what? If it takes five years, it takes five years. 
Who would right. take five years? Yeah. <laughs> All right, three years. I'm only joking. <laughs> Two um, weeks. Look, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure what he's trying to do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's definitely not like, oh, I have to wait another year, so I'm going to squeeze this last lap. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, because you can only do what you can do on that year. Yeah. Um, nothing like that, but prepare right, do everything right, try your absolute hardest mm-hmm. within the respects and realms of road racing. You know, and that's the key. Don't push the front too much. That's when you will get bit in the ass. Yeah. Even on a short circuit, that's you'll crash more that way. Slow in, fast out. Always been my approach. I think it's a safer, faster way to road race. And let's see where we are. Like I have, like of course, I have my personal goals. Yeah. And I would rather tell you how I done that rather than tell you what I'm going to do. What, yeah. Um, the only thing you've got to remember, it's no different really to qualifying or you know short circuit wherever you are. The less you try, the easier that lap time becomes, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And everything becomes within your limits much easier. Is it true that during like I've heard some people say, saying a six lapper, like Michael sort of touched on it in his podcast as well, but you get faster like lap four, five, six because you relax more and you're getting more fatigued and tired. Like, is that? Yeah, I mean. You get fatigued and tired as in mentally, not not physically, right? Uh, around the TT in all because it's such a high level of concentration, of course. But I think, yeah, because you be, you become at one with the bike, um, with the circuit, with the way the bike's working, you know, and what's going on, you really do. And I think that's when you kind of, you know, you're, you're obviously very focused, you're concentrating very hard, but you're not really, um, you've probably calmed down a little bit as well. You know, with all the hype of the start of the race and so on, you've relaxed more and so on. So you're more at one with your machine in a much bigger or relaxed uh, moment, and that's when the time's come. The dry mouse went away after a lap or two, hasn't it? <laughs> God, flipping <laughs> Yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, let's talk about your teammates. I mean, you could not have a better mentor in John. Unreal. How has he been in your preparation? Or is he trying to say, don't, 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 don't do it, mate? You know what, he's uh, he's been good. Um bit of experience with me in the past few months. We've done NEC together and the old boy's definitely putting a bit of effort in. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be a big drinker, but, you know, end of year, that's when you can go out and have a good laugh. And, uh, you know, we were maybe out there at three in the morning and John was going to bed at one. You know, like... That's because he's old, though. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, I thought he was just taking the job serious. <laughs> no, he's uh, he's he's been brilliant. You know, lots of it's been well documented. Um, you know, Martin Jessup's now joined on the same uh, thing. We're going to go over and do a lap with him and sending photos and stuff, you know, where is it? And I'm determined. Um, so he'll say, where is it? And he'll make it hard. And this one's a, from a narrow sort of angle. There's not, there's not a lot of furniture around to work out where it is. And, yeah. you know, it, he he just likes to send you little testers like that. Text him on a Sunday morning. I'm like, mate, I'm on my spin bike watching you again. He and then he sends a video back and he's fixing some old, you know, classic bike or whatever, restoring. And he has Joey going around the TT in the background. And mm-hmm. you know, I enjoy bouncing off him. Absolutely, uh, someone I get on very well with. You know, like Steve as well. They're all the riders that I grew up watching around the Northwest in British Championship and. You know, to to have him as a teammate is it's incredible, and it's not about you know you get people that are maybe a bit outside the loop. Oh, I suppose he can tell you if that's flat out. You can you can overlap data and see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. It's more just seeing John float about through the whole the build up to the TT, the the couple of weeks on the island, how he handles it, tap into his knowledge from the past. Uh, you know, 
things like that. Just just tap into John McGuinness, the TT rider. Yeah, I know John McGuinness, the person, the the great crack, the camaraderie. Um, but now I want to I want to know more and absorb a little bit more. So I think where he will help us on 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 an on track more than anything is his experience with bike setup. I don't know what's required for the the TT whatsoever. So. I guess he can help the team make some big calls. That in turn mm. will benefit me and maybe make my ride a bit easier and in turn more enjoyable and, and perhaps faster. You know, I don't know if I'll get to see him on track how it works. I really don't know as the, the week goes on and practice, would I be allowed to go out behind him? I wouldn't want to until there was a point where maybe pace would be comparable enough. He'll be much quicker, but he mm-hmm. can afford to take me around for a lap and then he can he can disappear. Yeah. So what about the bike? The bike's mint. It's an iconic brand. Yeah, iconic most, most successful brand at TT mm-hmm. and obviously um, Honda UK, most successful team, you know, formerly sort of Honda Britain, as it would have been when I was younger. Um, have you been kind of waiting to get the chance to be with Honda for that's the why, TT? That's actually why I never made my TT debut. I was just waiting on uh, Harv Common Con. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it just worked out, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah it's... Uh, the bike's really, really good. The, the new Blade made its debut in 2020. Um, clearly fantastic, fantastic as a road bike on a track, fantastic as a as a sort of a semi-developed superbike. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost our way a little bit last year, um, but to make progression, uh, you, you can't always just get it right, 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 or else... Uh, it's it, not it, linear, is it? Yeah, it'd be too easy. So there's bumps along the road. Um, I think we're ironing a lot of that out now. I hope the guys are working hard. So um, at road racing, you don't go to the same limits of track racing for sure so absolutely full confidence in the in the bike being a winner for you know for someone that's capable of that right now um hopefully coming into the tt it would be nice if we've uh ticked the the northwest off and we're four four undefeated there in the superbike you know that's where i do have a goal at that event um, i think nine's a record superbike event that wins from i think joey and michael rudder are shared on that so I would like to make some inroads on that and get the new Fireblades first international victory Steve's rolling his eyes here yeah. I think it's Robert I think oh. it might be Robert is it Ro- Robert yeah. yeah it's definitely nine so yeah. anyway not that matters but it's a busy I season I thought you were going to say it was you probably <laughs> no, would have no, no, been, no. been you uh, I imagine, you were, I mean, you were fast around here yeah it was you know it was, it was my back garden for a little while but um, you know but it was going back to what you just said about obviously the build up to the Alaman TT you know it's do you prefer it this way? It's going to be really busy, of course. You're, you're committed to Honda BSB. You've got two rounds and then straight to the Northwest 200, straight back, Donington Park BSB, straight to the TT. And then, you know, it's a busy, busy old time and an awful lot to commit to because you're expected to be obviously winning at BSB as well. Yeah, um, it's how I like it. You know, race season's always good because there's always away for a few days, home for a couple of days. So you're not away for a month, Um TT, I am there from the 25th of May, four days prior to it, because I want to see the course totally set up. And we come back, we're looking at coming back on the Monday, uh, a few days after it, just to wind down. And, you know, my partner Laura and our two kids will, will all come. And mum, dad, brothers, sisters, their part, every, everyone is coming. Uh, you know, we really have uh, a couple of motorhomes in the paddock, you know, thanks to James Jameson Construction there for that one. Big sponsor of mine and Michael Dunlops and, and Bruce Anstey's. So, uh, yeah, we're well sorted out. TT have helped out with, with a house as well. So that's very important to me. I like the business of racing. Uh, the pressure or whatever expected to do whatever at BSB and, and Rhodes is that's part and parcel of your job you know it's like if you're a footballer for Man United or you're a footballer for Burnley you know like if you're not expected to win there's no pressure whereas you're expected to win 
it comes with it. I don't sit and sweat over it. I mm-hmm. probably feel it, you know, but maybe I don't realize how I feel it because um, you must feel it some way. But how I don't like the busyness is uh, more pre-season is tough, you know, especially with the kids being so young. So we're over here now. I've got six days at home. Then we go to Spain, 15th of February, and um, we're there till the 24th of February motocrossing. Um, I fly home that night, get into my bed at like one o'clock in the morning on the 25th, fly to Isle of Man six hours later, fly back from the Isle of Man four days later to pick up a bag to drive to Dublin on the same day to fly to Malaga for four days testing at Almeria um, on a on a road bike to fly straight home from Almeria, leave the test early to go to Laura's sister's wedding on the 5th of March. So that's 20 days of no no block, maybe an hour or two at home. Yeah. And that, that that's tough. It's more tough because... I respect uh, it's very easy for us to go full focused on the racing and not see what happens around you at home and you know, in the past when you're younger we definitely all do that but I had the kids for one night on Saturday um, Laura was on a hen party Oh, like the little one was great slept from 8 to 4 40 give her a bottle boom back over to 8 but you can't even have time to like cook a bit of toast you know you're looking after this one he's cracking up you know he's had his hard work at 5 <laughs> Jay needs fed nappies exploded so Lo- Laws has got 20 days of this so that it is hard that but when racing they'll come to some BSB events not all of them but uh, they'll come Hey, I told you before the podcast, wait until you retire, it gets 10 times busier. <laughs> That's why I told you, I'm not retiring, Steve. Ever. <laughs> Never retiring. Jeremy McWilliams, that is, look at that, 50, I don't know, 57, 58. He's going to the Northwest to win it this year. Hey, and still fast. <laughs> and he will. And he probably will win it. <laughs> we'll come back to family shortly, but what we're tending to see now at the TT, and I want to get your opinion on this, do you think we're going to see the winners of the TTs, Senior TT, uh, Superbike TT, coming from that short circuit background all the time now? Because it didn't used to be like that. Like John, for instance, wasn't renowned as a short circuit rider as much as Hickey is now, and like yourself. Do you think it's going to short circuit riders are going to start to come across more to the TT, and that's where we'll see the winners from? Um, I'd say I had an argument with Ryan Farquhar years ago, you know, when you're young and stupid and you say things that you know, piss people <laughs> off and I guess I'll repeat it, you know, I understand why it was probably disrespectful at the time um, if, for example who, Tyron McKenzie won BSB last year, if Tyron McKenzie went to the Tandergee, Tyron McKenzie will win the Tandergee once he learns a track mm-hmm. it is still tarmac yeah. That that is what will happen the faster motorbike rider if they can cope with the surroundings cream will come to the top yeah you know i think there was a period where bsb riders just weren't at the tt you know prior to hickey and that but that's there's always phases but john again you i heard it in michael's podcast uh, rudders that john was a very very good short circuit rider with mm-hmm. quite a decorated career very good in the 250 as well um and he sort of chose to go tt route so he was a very talented lad that sort of gave up trying to achieve whatever at bsb he went that way so he is a short circuit racer. Yeah, maybe he I'm just, doing a, a he, disservice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he committed that. himself to the, the 250 roads. British champion. Yeah, yeah like, and the yeah. 250 championship then was a proper championship. So yeah. he decided I'm going road racing. Mm-hmm. But his homemade and your know, schooling was was track racing. Yeah, Michael Rudder, you know, similar thing. Then he went away from TT. Uh, Hickey, Dean Harrison. The progress. He is a very very good BSB rider now mm-hmm. to score points in this championship. Stephen Owen, he works closely with my brother Andrew, a race winner. He sometimes was 
you know, on the cusp of a point or two last year on, on a difficult day. Dean Harrison is now able to achieve this. He has became a BSB rider. Yeah. Um, and in turn, his road racing has really improved. You know, if Michael Dunlop, and he did do it last year, he read a lot more BSB. And Ian Hutchison, despite all their difficulties with injuries and setbacks, and, you know, I know Michael had shoulder trouble or whatever it was, um, or arm injuries, they have thrown themselves into track racing a lot more. And it's to clearly see. They're, they're looking at what's working so yeah. I do believe when it's not that the better riders when the riders that are doing very well in track racing decide they want to come road racing it has to be for the right reason you know I've heard Bridewell and I like him oh, I'll come to Northwest if they pay me 20 grand or whatever if I come to Northwest for 20 grand one you'll not get it um, <laughs> of the two I'd love to know how they're getting it and two you're go- going for money you're probably wrong reason you might get hurt mm-hmm. gotta go because you love it so if you love it and you're a top track racer, you'll prepare right, you'll do your homework, and you will be successful. That's, I told you in black and white. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. going to get rinsed now by John McGuinness fans, aren't I? I, I? I should have worded it slightly better. As in, do you think these TT riders will focus both on short circuits and road, as opposed to like John did? He went, I'm full TT, and he just stuck to it. But you don't seem to be able to do that nowadays. It's good to be different, isn't it, in life? Maybe you yeah. can offer a few different avenues to your... CV or your, you know, if we can go and that have a success in roads and have success in BSB, you're maybe more appealing to teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one sort of decent wage is better than paying two different riders. I guess. I, I think for me, for my career, it's it's healthy, but you have to want to do it. You can't just turn up for for money. For money. Like, honest, and you guys will know it. I do not get any start money to do the TT this year, and people won't believe that. But that's the truth. There's been so much help that Isle of Man have been amazing with flights and accommodation during the event. And I know that's expensive during TT week. And you do have your job from Honda to do these things. But there isn't this turn up and here that you're, Glenn, there's your big check for coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All that comes down the line with yeah, success. You don't need to worry about that. No, well, that's not why I'm doing it. <laughs> so here's a question Have you thought about being the first, you must have, the first British Superbike champion and TT winner? That would be a dream. And, you know, uh, this is how I put it. So Jonathan Ray has had a phenomenal career and I look up to him so much and I'm lucky to call him a a friend. And it would be a dream to achieve what he's achieved. Absolutely. But uh, I am different. I'm a bloody complex character. Like, you know, absolutely. Steve laughs. He's the same. He's wired up. um, I'm definitely different. I would, if you said to me, Glenn, British Superbike champion, and a senior TT winner in the same year, I would rather have that. The TT's like, you know if you travel around the world somewhere and or you get friendly with people on holiday and what do you do? And you try to tell them what you do and then you go, well, do you know that? I don't even do the Isle of Man TT yet, but do you know the Isle of Man TT? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's that's the one you want to win, isn't it? And if you can add the BSB in beside that, even a few BSB races and a TT win one day would be good, wouldn't it? That will be. Be all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Win them all. It's a nice one, it? End of day, don't want to be a postman like Seeley. <laughs> Who? Alistair. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> we, can edit, we can edit that Hey, out. why do you think Alistair Seeley, so success, the most winningest rider at the North Western, why did they ever come to the TT? Like Stuart Easton, I think that both of them would have been, I know the TT seems to suit bigger riders in, in, in uh, stature as such. Um, I think he would have been a fantastic TT rider, but if I'm right, he done the he done the Ulster Grand Prix, the Dundrod 150 many years ago. I think he won 
you know, the the newcomer type race or whatever it is. But I don't think he liked it. Mm. I do, do not think he enjoyed the track. And again, that's where I... So we can't say someone like Alistair take him to the Tandragee. There is that circumstance where the short jerk racers won't maybe because they don't they can't adapt to what's around them. Ulster's a bit more TT esque than than the Northwest. Um, so yeah, he, he he didn't enjoy it. I think Ratboy would have been absolutely phenomenal TT rider. Incredible. TT um, really would. Why was he, he called, why was he called Ratboy? Looks like a mouse. Yeah. Don't I? I is, think, that, is that it? Do you know what? I'm struggling to answer that. I don't really know. Apart from being visual. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been great because he had his he as a full mentor. Yeah. And then I think uh, Stuart's such a calm, like I was his teammate in 600 and remember at Thruxton he just rolled out in qualifying and bust out like a 13.9. It would have been like four from the superbike. Great, it was like incredible well, talent. You know, and I was only joking, up. by the way, even listening. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Stuart, he's a top lad, top lad. And I do like Alistair as well, but we always have, there's always a bit of crack and a bit of needle from press and stuff. But a uh, phenomenal CV and phenomenal career. So let's talk about your fitness, physical and mental. Obviously, you touched on the mental side earlier. Yeah, um, you yesterday you were in the physio getting yourself prepped if, in terms of fitness because you've had some big crash, and again, we were talking about this prior. And I think it's fascinating the uh, the story of the crash at Knock Hill. How are how are you? Where are you? One hundred percent fit back now, or or you have is it is a, is a motorcycle racer ever one hundred percent fit? So I'm sort of quite unilateral. So my right hand side's probably one hundred and twenty five percent fit. Um, <laughs> yeah, left shoulder had a big big operation. Your handlebar snapped on me at Knock Hill in two thousand and seventeen. Long story short, broke broken neck, broken dislocated shoulder, broken dislocated elbow. Elbow yeah, went the other way. You, you you didn't know your neck was broken. Yeah, Did well, you? I knew it was, but it got missed somehow. <laughs> I just said, don't move me. I didn't even know I had sore. sore. It was all left arm. I, I didn't have a clue. And yeah, look, obviously when your arm is so disfigured, um, <laughs> I think naturally the focus went to it. And it took me to crash a year later to then think I'd broke my back at Donington and, and realise, no, your back's okay, but you've got a broken neck. So off to Nottingham and twisted their arm to tell them that was it from a, a year old injury and returned to track the following day. And Scored a few points, but uh, yeah, no, I needed the operation then. Um, it was in my second year in Superbike. I didn't want to miss too much time, concerned about career uh, yeah. perspectives at the end of the year, remaining with PBM. And it was a difficult year, even coming back, but fair play to Paul Bird. You know, no matter what you say about him, he was nothing but great to me. Three years on a factory sort of back Ducati as such. Um, you know, and he did stick by me after my injury, and we had good success finishing third in the, in the British Superbike Championships. So it did come out during the third season with PBM at Cadwell. It came out again last year. You know, unfortunately, came together with Rory Skinner. Again, like we were chatting to Steve before it, you know, I got it in at the side of the track, and then it was like, oh, I need to race later. I've got the showdown. I need to get in it. And you, I got helped by the weather. I did go out and score a second, but operation was big came round from the up and you do think am I ever going to race again because after an up to that degree you can't even move your arm for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks so I'm really strong in bike position my physio is happy with that um, my physio at home is very good very safe which has been important in the early recovery and Doug over here is more like in his words yesterday we're in a rush now not a rush that can't be achieved I haven't been like my arms out like a like an eagle, you know. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not. I wouldn't be great at flying. I'd be flying like more like a little duck, you know. My arms close <laughs> to my side. So uh, he was chucking a few weights at me where I'm weak. And first thing I did this morning, we checked into the hotel last night and I rang the receptions like, "What time's the gym open?" 
and it's because he's told me what I need to do. I'm so bloody black and white. So yeah. Simon Reid was in my room last night and the alarm's going off half seven. He's ah, I haven't slept. I've had a terrible night's sleep. And I'm like, mate, in the gym, because he has a very, he's a cage on his leg, so also he got told what he needed to do. He was like, we have to do this. We have yeah. to do what we have to do. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, to doing and going to where it's uncomfortable. Um, I need to get on to Amazon today because I'm away for 20 days, as I said, and I've no, I don't own any weights, so I need to take uh, advantage of this prime delivery and <laughs> go to go on this motocross trip with a few sort of gadgets and. <laughs> Connor Collins will be there as well. So the big man, uh, he'd probably be looking at me like I'm something wrong with me. Like there's some of the mad exercises I'll be doing. But yeah, that's a great great trip. And uh, it is important to continue recovery. So how's these injuries affected your mental health? Because you have, you know, you're one of the few people that will openly talk about it and you're not afraid to. How does it affect someone like yourself? Um, I think, first of all, the injuries, I do feel changed my career a little bit you know slowed it down it's been successful since there's always been there's been some great years fighting for a championship in 2020 but when you're injured it was tough especially for me in 17 you know when i when i'd done this uh, racing was going so good and you know i ended up uh i've been doing quite well been struggling with some things you know from you know 2012 13 and you know in 17 yeah, i don't know if you want to use the word a relapse or whatever but i, I really really went into a terrible place and mm-hmm. you know again 18 a bit and you know middle of 19 I, I started to make sort of changes in my life um, that I had to make and you know also Philip Neil gave me a good opportunity I was struggling at Kawasaki and I did lose uh, I think a lot of people thought you know he finally got sacked you know he was brought in to do a good job The yeah, social media is terrible they finally got rid of him he was horrendous I couldn't see I lost my left eyesight through stress and I uh, that was scary. That really? I think that was because of my love and passion for the job. Like I love what we do. I love it. That was like, oh shit, this could be took away from me. And that was a big, big, big wake up call. Don't get me wrong. There's been difficult moments along the way. Um, but Tycho gave me an opportunity, and that was like the start of okay, fix yourself type thing. Uh, when I went to Thruxton for my first race with Tycho, I rang Philip on the Thursday and I was like, Philip, I don't think I can race. I can't see. Like, I can't see out of my left eye. He's like, there's no pressure on you. You know, I think he maybe was thinking that was under pressure. Go out and enjoy it and all. And I'd sit in the pit box and cover my good eye and be like, look at the, like, there's a yellow fluorescent pit board out there. I was like, lads, that's like the sun. That's like a blur. I can't even read the letters. Went out, it was like fourth or fifth. <laughs> Thankfully, it's all right-handers. But people were combining me to the left. I couldn't see them. And that sort of gave me the reminder that I could ride a bike because I couldn't even qualify in the top 18 sometimes and with Tycho it was only three or four rounds every one we made the final qualifying and usually on the second row and no testing um, mm-hmm. BMW was early in development then as well so that uh, that that helped and I, I started to talk more and more about my mental health then it was really tough you know I'd, all the, the the most terrible thoughts that you could have and when I talk about it I don't talk about it as in a per me I don't want sympathy yeah I talk about it like I come out the other side. It's not like, you know, let's be depressed together type thing. Mm-hmm. I want to be an example and, you know, to show that to talk is good. It's as simple as that. It's not too in deep. You know, I don't want to dwell. I don't dwell. I don't want to be maybe seen as a, you know, oh, he struggles with his mental health. You know, I struggled. I've done the right things. Yeah. I made changes and, uh, you know, my life's very, very enjoyable now. Um, since then, child number two's came along and, 
I'm really happy at Honda. Um, good social group, you know, probably a better social group. Yeah. Maybe not as fun, like, but <laughs> it's better. <laughs> yeah, it must be difficult because it's such a strange job because it's, you know, it, you're essentially self-employed and you get paid on your results. And if you're not racing, you're not getting your results. And then it must just spiral. How about you, Steve? Did you? Hey, you're only as good as your last race to a certain degree. Yeah. And like, obviously, so Glenn's true. gone through some big injuries. You yeah. know, most most riders do at some point in the career. And you're paranoid, of course, that you're just going to get replaced. And mm-hmm. you know, which can't be happen. great for your mental health, though, no. right? But how is it? For, you know, for you in your kind of younger, you come from a household full of competitive Oof. people. Obviously, dad. You know, Alan Irwin, your brother, motocross champion. Obviously, Andrew, younger brother. You know, is your sister horse? Horse rider, yeah. yeah. And, flipping and then there's actually an older brother, and he's, yeah. uh, he's now on a fire. He does Irish championship as well, and he was a successful motocrosser. So is there a little needle around the household and stuff? Monopoly and at just... Christmas is bloody tough. you got to be <laughs> cute with the cheating, you know. Uh, ring, my mate works in a printer's, you know. Here, print a few of them for notes off for me, you know. <laughs> um, it's... Uh, I pay so much respect to my dad and, you know, my whole family, um, probably my mum and dad, my grand and granny, you know, there's been a lot of really nice family tree of uh, very happy memories growing up and good structure, good discipline, good opportunities. And, you know, we, we grew up with a dad who was highly, highly, highly successful. I hate it going to, I loved going to the Northwest to watch. I hate it walking through a paddock with him. You know, all you want to do as a kid is go to the ice cream van, pick a mix shop, or stand somewhere and watch a racing. Mm-hmm. Alan, how are you? Photo with you? I don't know if it was photos back then or you know autographs. And you know, he was also like a bit of a bit of a celebrity, you know, yeah. then because he was such a. He's actually the most winning rider in Ireland. Um, never done the TT, so maybe loses that little bit of outright fame. But he guided us so good in motocross where we had bikes every year. I remember years on Christmas, and I'm not joking you, maybe about 10 when this was going on. Mum and tears, maybe a week or two after Christmas, maybe it was Christmas Day. Maybe dad had went and ordered some bikes on plastic. and <clears throat> Mum wanted a new kitchen. I, re- I remember all this kitchen was falling down around us. So we didn't have the best bikes. We didn't have bikes tuned to the limit. I'm a big believer in not giving young there's far too much it's so wrong now young yeah. riders too much so we were given opportunity to race we were took the British Championship we ate on like a little uh, really crappy gas cooker thing that sat on top of our big blue barrel um, to wash the bikes with and dad cooked as a fry every morning at British Championship Brilliant. we shared the van usually with someone else to, to make the boat fare cheaper he was never hard on us, never like motocross dad. Why are you not jumping that tabletop? Why are you not jumping the double? All of this, we didn't get that, but we had opportunity. And if we didn't try, he would say, you know, I can't remember him, but he would say, you know, so obviously he wasn't vocal. Mm-hmm. He would have reminded us if we didn't try, you know, and that sort of, that's a structure I try to put into my son now. It was always fun for us. Um, Graham became a world championship rider um, for KTM, a British champion for Honda. I believe if he had a, continued with Honda and went to Worlds um, if Thorpe's team did that he could have had a great world career injury sort of spoiled that Andrew is a professional bike rider I'm a professional bike rider Ross is a very very good motorcycle racer who went away from it a lot younger has a very good academic career been successful owns a couple of houses and my little sister is very 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 good in a horse so what a fantastic upbringing um, mm-hmm. I see people now and they're taking their kids away for months and they're remortgaging the house we probably did have to do that because dad's you know just a lorry driver and mum works in the old car rental desk normal people um but come on you gotta kids gotta be kids gotta enjoy yeah. it they don't need to be training at the age of 12 and i see it all around me and 
But that's kind of it. That's that's how Mark Marquez became Mark Marquez, wasn't it? It's different, that's but what... Mark Marquez is Mark Marquez. Exactly, he would have yeah. became Mark Marquez regardless of whether he's on a bike at three or ten. He's yeah, 100%. natural talent. But the, yeah, motocross dads don't see that though, do they? Oh, it's terrible. I absolutely hate motocross dads. <laughs> <laughs> they, I, we grew up racing against some kids, and I'll not name them, they'll know who they are, that had all the talent. Maybe faster than us, but again, were they faster just because they weren't at school half the time and they were on bikes yeah. all the time? You know, do they go down the wrong route after because they get burnt out? How's their relationship with their dad? It's mm-hmm. probably not like the relationship with our parents. So, yeah, not saying that way can't work. It can work. You see it; it still works. But I. Uh, but yeah, you want to look back on your on your childhood and and have fun memories. Not it was just, bloody competitive growing up in yeah, that I bet house. It was. Unreal. Still is. Me and Andrew go motocross. It, it's like a GP every t- every who's session. The best day, who's the best at your household? Graham on short circuits or Graham on motocross. That wasn't uh, the question. Me, me, I think, <laughs> but be, because of uh, only on paper, uh, Andrew will go on and have a phenomenal career. Graham is the best out of us, absolutely. You know, he switched to tarmac in 2019, and I actually bought the bike for him and really helped run him. And like, I wouldn't even spend that amount of money on myself. I didn't even own a house. Brilliant. Probably spend about thirty thousand pound on Graham. <laughs> um, but he's my brother, and and I love him, and I believe in his talent so much. Um, I think he just sort of had enough in the end, and he went to Superbike with Aaron Zanotti. Nice guy. All the effort in the world into Graham, five year old bike competing against us and on factory bikes. So mm-hmm. he, in my eyes, was the potential Jonathan Ray, um, the next Jonathan Ray. And I think if Jonathan Ray ever was to come on this podcast or he listens I think Jonathan Ray would 100% agree with that he's so talented he could still come out and do it if he just had the right opportunity but he's happy he's got a really really good job with one of our sponsors in the medical MET healthcare they do hospital theatres and stuff like that mm-hmm. he rides motocross for fun now he had a great career British champion something that I can't say and nor yeah. can Andrew just yet so yeah. yeah so let's move back to the TT by the time this podcast comes out we're only going to be a matter of weeks away from the TT. What's what's your final preparation going to be like between testing and and, and, and now? Um, another trip over end of February. i got to make sure I've ticked off the laps from Milky and Barty. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll look at a, a trip in, in April. Um, and the, the biggest one is probably going four days prior to the event, going that little bit earlier, settling in, seeing the whole course set up. Uh, I'm very, very good friends with Clarissa and Samai from Dean, Dean Harrison's team owners, mm-hmm. uh, Dad, Dad Racing. Clarissa has a load of bikes there, RC45, stuff really cool, nostalgia. And uh, I will ride round the course then. Obviously, there's everyday traffic, but just start to get a few laps in before the event starts. And, you know, it's totally, you're not racing, you're doing 30 where it's 30 and 170 where it's 70. Or, sorry. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, no, that, that'll be it. And continue to learn and, and take every bit of advice. You know, I'll be tapping Steve's head flat out there as well and yeah. uh, just tapping into people and enjoying it. Who's going to be in your corner so, uh, at the event? You know, I was lucky for me. I had Mick Grant, you know, helping me. Yeah, ex-winner. So yeah. the same BSB team, so the crew side, the technicians are are who I work with day in, and I like consistency. Um, I've got my dad, that Michael Rudder said it as well, you got to have that being told calm, calm, calm. And I'll have that from my dad. My best mate, Wesley, comes old with my BSBs, and he's a real leveller, and you need that. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian Reid. I think Brian Reid's looking forward to TT more more than ever this year. Um, so there's an input from Brian. You know his son Simon, good friend. They're all they all just want to run about and make life easier for you. You know, throughout. it's not like you're not a prima donna or a superstar or anything like that. But it's 
it's a circle of friends and Andrew's going to be over and Andrew will be mentally very very good for me I think you know because he the number one thing is you you be safe and you get mm-hmm. that connection it's I don't know eye contact from him or something yeah. like that you just that sincere understanding so yeah my, my family you know my partner my two kids that's they're as important as anyone in my corner because yeah. they uh, just keep you all in check so no no sort of you know, Brian Reid's my ex-rider, but no, no one in in really recent years, you know. But I'll be asking you, I'll be torturing you as well. So <laughs> I talk to a lot of people, um, and I'll just be just asking everyone. And how many different classes will you ride at the Alaman TT this year? So just the big bike and the Superstock Thousand. Um, it's how it will always be for me. It's how it's been in any you know other than the, the learning of the T or the Oscar Grand Prix. I then done it in the six hundred because it was a six hundred rider. But I'm a super bike rider. I believe that's where my best success will come. It's the races that people really want to win on the roads, taking nothing away from any other race. And mm-hmm. TT wins, TT win. Northwest is a Northwest win. But as a newcomer, and I, I did ring Paul yesterday just to confirm, Paul Phillips, that uh, there is the benefit of being a newcomer. As long as it's not a super twin only session, but the Super Twins are usually with 600s. Mm-hmm. I can always go out on, on my big bike. Uh, I will spend most of my laps on the Super Bike because that's what I'm comfortable with. And our Super Bike is close to stock in some ways as well. It seems to work good at TT. So that'll be it. The warm-up lap on the Wednesday, I don't have a race. It's uh, I think it's a Wednesday um, or the Monday. It's Super Sport and Sidecar. This new feature of the warm-up, you, you're, you can do it on no matter what bike so another mm-hmm. little lap in there and then uh, one more thing i forgot to mention i got the email yesterday to check in how are you doing your homework you need to do x y and z from the tt you sort of li- liaison people there's a simulator now that bruce is quite involved in organizing um it's somewhere in northern england and uh, i think rob hudson has been using it and give great feedback and seems to put your muscles sore that it gets sore on track so so as soon as that was offered to me, like, oh, get me on two, two, two days at a time. Yeah, I'll you know, continue to do everything. So, Do you have to wear a novice bib still or not? You do, but here, we're, this is where we got sport. <laughs> I, I've, went jo- I've went Josh Brooks style. So I've uh, got it built into my leathers. Nice. Um, so yeah, shoot, oh, shoot, you should go shoot. old school. Uh, do you know what? I would be as happy. Like, yeah. Because uh, I, I grew up, Irish short circuit racing is quite old school, laid back, you know, dad and back of van job, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that's just the way you go racing. So... I'm happy to float about with a bib. I had to do it at the Northwest. Yeah, don't don't slow you down. You think it annoys you, but it doesn't. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it looks good. Professional sponsors and all that carry on. You've did, yeah, yeah. You know, nothing gets hidden by the bib type thing. So yeah, I was quite proud to wear mine. Yeah, <laughs> be nice to have it because then you always have your yep. newcomer bib. Don't 100%. you? Yeah, but yeah. you also have your newcomer levers, I guess. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'll probably give them away to a sponsor like everything else. <laughs> Get an extra wee zero or two there. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, shall we? I've got some quick fire questions for you, mate. Okay, now you can only answer this one or the other. Okay, you know, it's to make you feel a little bit awkward. Maybe so get me to stop well. talking. So, <laughs> so there's no explanation. It's just one or the other. It's only, t- only about ten questions. Right, lager or Guinness? Guinness. Pineapple or never pineapple on a pizza? Pineapple. Good lad. BSB or World Superbike? BSB. TT race win or outright TT lap record? TT race win. TT legends, Pete Hickman or John McGuinness? John McGuinness. Hmm. Super twin or super sport? Neither. Neither? That was a one word answer. British super bike champion or senior TT winner? British Superbike champion. Graham Irwin or Andrew Irwin? Oh, 
Andrew Irwin. And he is still racist. Hey, hey, <laughs> one word, one answer. Andrew Irwin. TT Pilliam ride with Michael Dunlop or Philip McCallum? <laughs> Michael Dunlop, definitely. <laughs> 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 right, last question. Six-time World Superbike champion, Jonathan Ray, or 26 times TT winner, Joey Dunlop? 26 times TT winner, Joey Dunlop. But he will always be the only 26 TT winner, won't he? Thank you. Glenn, it's been an absolute pleasure, and we look forward to seeing you on the start line in a couple of weeks. It's been good crack, boys. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Good luck. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, Steve, Glenn Irwin... I can't help thinking that that competitive edge is just so raw in him. Is he going to be able to handle it? Like, rein it in? Naturally. I think the answer to that, I, I honestly believe he will. Yeah. You know, he's got enough decent people around him. He'll have the whole family with him, obviously, as he said, you know, for the for the event. But uh, I think he will. He's very sensible. He's got a great team, obviously, around him as well. A good team manager that will be in his ear, keeping mm-hmm. him calm. But deep down... I don't believe he won't be watching those times. Of course he won't. And what's uh, what's your predictions for him? Flip it, Nick. I knew he was going to ask that. <laughs> I suppose the question is, will he be the fastest ever newcomer? Not that that really means anything. You know, he's got his mindset on the senior win, which obviously takes mm-hmm. time. It's an apprenticeship. And I do believe he'll chip away at that and, and, and get there fairly quickly. When I say get there, I'm not saying he's going to win, you know, in record time or anything, but he will be competitive quite quickly. Yeah. You know, on his times. He will. But for year one, to answer your question, you know, if you keep progressing every session, that's what you've got to keep looking at. That's all that really matters. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be worrying too much, and I never did, about changing setups and things. It's just purely ride the same bike as it is and just and get to know the circuit, circuit and get to know speed. where you're going. Yeah. Nice one. Mate. Well, I guess yeah. we'll, uh, we'll see in a few weeks, won't we? Very soon. TT 2022 will be here. This has been episode eight of the TT Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We have plenty more star-studded names from the world of the TT on their way. And don't forget, you can get all the latest TT news and features over at iomttracers.com and be sure to check us out on all the usual socials. We are at TT Racers Official. Thanks for listening. <laughs>